Well, good morning. We're going to get right into the message this morning. I do appreciate um, our guests with us. And uh, if we can do anything for you, please let us know. We're here to, to love you as much as God loves us. At least that's our goal. So please take out your notes. If you'd like to take notes and turn to Mark chapter 14. Currently going through the book of Mark. Mark chapter 14. This morning we're going to talk about how to avoid regrets in our lives. The great poster child for this is Judas. So we're going to read about Judas, and then we'll get into learning some lessons from the life of Judas. Mark chapter 14, as we uh, begin reading verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, now there are other Judases in the Bible, there's at least a couple more Judases, and so whenever we're talking about Judas, the betrayer, it always identifies who this Judas is. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them, talking about betraying Jesus. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. In fact, the price that uh, they had settled on was 30 pieces of silver. It's interesting, I think that the conversation went something like this when they were discussing and they heard Judas came in and they got excited and they found this is a plan, this is a way we can get rid of Jesus. Is that probably they were saying, well, what should we pay Judas? And probably somebody remembered in Exodus chapter 21, the price of a slave is about 30 pieces of silver. And so... Someone probably suggested this, and others agreed with an evil grin, this would be another slap against Jesus, that he's worth as much as a slave. And so they settled on that price. We read on, it says, so, how, so he sought how he might conveniently betray him. And so then we go on, and we're going to skip a few verses. We're going to come back to those verses. It's, it's a um, some interesting things, and I'm, I'm looking forward to preaching from those verses, and it has to do with the Last Supper. And then we'll be taking communion that will be connected with that. And so if you're uh, wanting to know more about what communion is all about, come next week. We'll talk about that. Uh, there's some great points in there that we need to talk about uh, this Last Supper. All right, and so then uh, let's skip down and let's go to oh, in verse 18. It says, And then evening he came with the twelve, and now as they sat and ate Jesus, ate, not ate Jesus, now as they sat and ate, if you've noticed, I, uh, my, my thoughts get away from my words. And I got to back up, reboot here. All right, and so now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say unto you, one of those who eat with me will betray me. And they began to be so sorrowful, and to say unto him, By one by one, is it I? Another said, It is I. And he answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes just as is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better 
excuse me, it would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And then let's drop down to verse 43. And immediately, and this is uh, when they had come into the Garden of Gethsemane, and they had prayed, and Judas comes, and immediately while he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whoever I kiss, he is the one, seize him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Judas never called Jesus Lord. They would call him Rabbi. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. I'm going to read out of uh, Matthew chapter 27. I want to conclude uh, what is said about Jesus. So Matthew chapter 27, and begin reading verse 1. And when morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And he went, the Bible says, and he hanged himself, committed suicide. We asked the question, why would Jesus, why would Judas sell Jesus? Well, kind of the obvious answer would be perhaps it was, uh, was money, greed. He did ask him how much he could bargain for turning in Jesus. But also, I think a bigger picture would be many believe that Judas was trying to force Jesus' hand to step up and lead a rebellion to overthrow the Roman government. If you remember the flow and the thinking of the Jews, they wanted to have this Roman government. They thought Jesus was Messiah, and it was the perfect time of celebration of their deliverance from Egypt as a nation, and they were wanting to get rid of uh, the Roman government. And perhaps Jesus schemed and thought, I'll just put him right in this place where he has to um, uh, reveal himself and, and step in and do something uh, that would cause the Roman government to, to get out of uh, the nation of Israel. But for whatever reason, Jesus, Judas did betray Jesus. Now, this is one of the greatest examples in the Bible of a person experiencing loss by Judas. You think about this for a moment. Judas lost the personal presence of Jesus Christ because of this action. I'm not saying he lost his salvation, because I don't believe Judas was ever saved, but he lost the personal presence of Jesus. He lost the powerful and sweet fellowship of the apostles. He lost the privilege of participating in ministry. He lost position of reward in heaven. He lost respect, peace, love, forgiveness. He lost his life in this world, and he lost eternal life in the world to come. Now, 
how did Judas, which had so much going for him, lose so much? You remember, as we reflect back, that Jesus prayed all night before he chose his 12 disciples. And God chose Judas to be part of the A-team, Jesus' A-team, the apostles, to, to uh, disciple them and to lead them and, and to guide them. And there are some reasons why we can come up why Jesus chose Judas. But he did. And, and at the beginning, uh, Judas was in the group, and he experienced those things that the apostles experienced. They saw Jesus perform miracles. I, I mean, they, he was in the boat when the storm came up, and then Jesus woke up and calmed the storm. He, he was there when he saw the lepers healed. He was there when he saw the blind men uh, could see. He was there when, when those who, who couldn't walk started to walk in and would jump up and run out praising God. He saw all that. He saw Lazarus come from the dead. He saw all this. When Jesus sent the disciples out two by two to minister to people, Judas was in the midst of that. And, and, and they came back rejoicing. He said, the, said the, the, the demons have been, passed, uh, have been cast out and, and, the, and the blind now see and, and what wonderful things had happened. G Judas was right in the midst of all that. We would say about Ju Judas and Jesus that we would say that they were good friends. That they talked. Perhaps they even discussed scripture. They sat uh, together. They, they ate together. They, they traveled together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They attended temple together for about three years. They had this camaraderie among the 12 disciples in Jesus. We ask ourselves a great mystery to us. How can a person who is close to Jesus claims to be a follower of Jesus, and lose so much. Well, this morning, I want to look at some important lessons that we can learn from the life of Jesus. And here's the first one. Judas was missing a change from within. And if you're taking notes, you might add, add the word personal transformation. When Jesus called the 12, and he called those 12... They were, they were a work in progress. They were diamonds in the rough. And Jesus knew that. But he knew that if they followed him, that there would be a process that they would grow and there would be spiritual transformation because of their relationship with God. And because of salvation had come, that there would be, there would be this transformation. And he believed that in every one of them. When Jesus called Judas, it says there, in the book of Matthew, is Judas Iscariot who also became a traitor. It seems that, that G Judas was right there on the ground floor. Not that I believe that he was saved, but he was right there with potential of becoming a follower, a true follower of Jesus, and a potential of growing, a potential of learning uh, who God is and how he could become his personal Savior as well. 
Uh, we find that didn't happen to Judas. In John chapter 6, later on in his life, it says, he said to the, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, did not I choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? In John chapter 12, he said, he is called a thief as one who took from the offerings. There was no change in his life. There was no personal transformation. Even though Judas was exposed to the very Son of God, God, who was manifested in the flesh, Jesus Christ, there was no personal transformation in his life. Judas didn't let what he saw in Jesus and who Jesus was change him. Judas didn't let what he saw Jesus do change him. Attending with worship with Jesus didn't change him. What he heard from the sermons that Jesus gave didn't change him. What Jesus, Judas read in the Scripture didn't change him. Judas was missing a change from within, a personal transformation. I never want to be in that place where I can be around believers and remain the same. You know, Christianity is all about personal transformation, be becoming better, becoming a better person. And I'm not talking about turning over a leaf. I'm talking about that once you have this born again experience of getting saved and salvation, as John chapter 3 talks about that with Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, that there is a process that you are becoming more like Jesus Christ. For Judas, he was called into that group. The others were growing, but Judas remained the same. There was no transformation. Judas didn't change. In fact, he resisted the change. He didn't change from within. He had the same old sinful heart that he started with at the end of the three years as he did at the beginning when Jesus called him to be a disciple. The scripture says there's not one good thing that was said about Judas. You know the crazy thing about all this? The amazing thing is, is the amazing grace of Jesus Christ towards Judas in all of this. How Jesus truly reached out to him and wanted to love G Judas. The second thing I want to go to is about a lesson of Judas is number, number two is that Judas had partial commitment. He had partial command. He wanted to give God something, but not everything. Judas was willing to follow Jesus on the surface and for selfish gain, but he was not willing to completely follow, follow Jesus. Remember when we talked about last week as the story of the woman breaking the alabaster box over Jesus and, 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 uh, and the woman had, had broken that which was very precious to her to, to just show love and appreciation for who Jesus was and how he would die. And so she did that in a worshipful act and Judas was there and Judas became furious and said that was a waste. The heart of Judas and the heart of the woman were different. She was willing to give it all what is ever precious and important to her. And Judas was okay in giving something, but don't ask him to give it all. Leonardo da Vinci, the famous painting of the, of the Last Supper, has Judas 
the second person to the right of Jesus with his left hand, which is dipping in the bread with his left hand, which is an offense in the Middle East. And his right hand is on the bag of money. He was like, he was, yes, I'm doing what Jesus, but I got this over here as well. There was a partial commitment in Judah's heart. If we choose to give God something, but not everything, we experience loss. To be a follower of Jesus is is to say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm I'm a disciple. I'm going to leave all, and I'm going to follow you, Lord. You are going to be my Lord, my master. Peter didn't tell Jesus, you know, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you, let's see, Monday, and I can work you in on Wednesday, and and maybe Saturday. Oh, and Sunday, I'll be there. But Peter was all in. So being a follower of Jesus is all or nothing. And there's great freedom and joy when we surrender to Jesus. We give in. Judas had partial commitment. He thought, I'll follow Jesus, but not all the way. It's an amazing grace how that Jesus loved Peter and John and the other disciples just as much as he loved Judas. He didn't act any different towards Judas than he did the other disciples disciples. He loved them. What amazing grace that is. What amazing grace. Back to the woman, you know, when the woman who broke the oil over Jesus' head, that was a very worshipful act. She worshipped the Lord through that act. And Judas responded and he said, that is a waste. He called the worship of Jesus waste, which is the third lesson we find about Judas. Why would he think this? Well, first of all, he wasn't saved, and so therefore the Lord wasn't really uh, in his heart. So how could he really, truly worship the Lord? Listen, whenever we think the worship of God is an act of waste or that it isn't important, we're going to experience loss. We're going to miss what what our good God is going to do through worship. And worship isn't just limited to time and place. Worship isn't limited to a building. This last week, one of the mornings I was listening to Lauren uh, Diego, and um, as I was listening to her, um, I mean, we were were singing a duet that would win a Grammy. I mean, we were worshiping the Lord. And and I mean, it, it was so good. When you have those moments, it doesn't have to be at a place in a building. Does it have worship in the Lord is wonderful? It's powerful. It grows us. It helps us. Why would Judas think this lady's worship was a waste? Obviously, he thought of maybe the money of value, the greedy. And John 12 tells us that he was wanting to use that money for his own gain. For whatever reason, listen, it's amazing, the amazing grace of God. That even in the midst of that context, when Judas thought that was a waste, that God still gave grace. And he still reached out to Judas, even though he knew 
where his heart was. The fourth thing I want to say about Judas, Judas made Jesus master, teacher, but not Lord. You see, in Matthew chapter 26, it says again, when they were reclining at the table with the twelve, while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you betray me. And they were very sad and began to say one to another, said, surely you don't mean me, Lord. So the disciples were saying, Lord, you don't mean me, Lord, Lord, not me. And Lord means ruler, boss, master of a whole life. He cannot be Lord of a, uh, of a part. He must be given control of the entire life, a whole life. Listen to Judas' reply because it's different from the other disciples. He said, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who betrayed him, said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi, teacher, teacher. You can call him Lord. Call them teacher. You see, we can walk with other followers of Jesus. We can even grow up in church. And we can learn about Jesus. And we can learn about the Bible. But still not know him as Lord. And this is what Jesus, where Jesus, Judas was at. He suffered loss because he, he recognized Jesus as a great teacher, but not the Lord of his life. I'm afraid a lot of people are like that. They recognize Jesus. Oh, he's a great teacher. He's a great man. But he's not my Lord. And there's a big difference in that. And it's amazing grace to how, how in the midst of that, that still the grace of Jesus was towards Judas. Even though he didn't recognize him as Lord, Jesus was still kind to him. And then we have number five. Judas kissed the door of heaven, but he didn't enter. Remember what the betrayal of, of, of Jesus and in that sign he came in that garden? He walked up to Jesus and he kissed his cheek to point him out to the soldiers. And you remember what Jesus said? He called him friend. He called him friend. At that moment of betrayal, still at that moment, there was a door for Judas to walk through, seemed. Yet the devil had entered into him, and he betrayed Jesus Christ. And how sad to be so close to salvation and lose heaven and go to a place of torment. You know what's sad? It's just as sad of Judas. Is that people come. They may even attend a service where the body of Christ is. They may give hugs and they may call each other friends and fellowship and they worship together with followers of Jesus. And they're good on the outside. 
but there's no personal transformation. There's no change. There's no spiritual growth. The same walk and relation, spiritual growth, than there was two years ago or three years ago. Worship for them doesn't engage them. It's not that important. Partial commitment. Like the teachings and the process of learning, but to them, Jesus is just another source of information. He isn't their Lord. They're like Judas who kissed the door of heaven and will lose heaven and end up hell with Judas. I think that's the saddest thing. If we have these characteristics of Judas, my friend, I beg you, search your heart and see whether you know the Lord Jesus, the God of the universe, the one who died on the cross for your sins, the one who paid that, one who offers and calls you friend. I beg you to research your heart. Do I have a personal relationship with the Lord? It's interesting that all the disciples end up forsaking Jesus and all them, including Judas. But you remember Peter? Remember Peter, he denied Jesus three times while Jesus was on trial? You know, there's no record in the scriptures that Judas really denied Jesus Christ. I mean, there's no record that, that he was like Peter, who at the fire warmed his hands and denied Jesus three different times while Jesus is right over there in a different room uh, being tried as an innocent man. And yet when we compare Peter and Judas, because Peter later on, Jesus comes to him and, and, and talks to him and, and he repents of denying Jesus Christ. And Peter goes on to preach there on the day of Pentecost. And he preaches and he stands up and, you know, 3,000 get saved, 5,000 get saved. And he goes on and, and, and the gospel just explodes after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Great testament to the evidence that Jesus is God, that there was a change that happened because of these men, what Jesus did. The difference between Judas and Peter, first of all, Peter had a change for within. There was a personal transformation. You could track his life. There were some things. Yeah, he did some stupid things. But he learned from those things, and he grew, and God used him in a powerful way. There were times that he would step out of the boat, and he said, I'm all in. He'd try to walk across the water, and there was a lesson that God gave him uh, about faith and trusting God, keeping your eyes on Jesus. There was spiritual growth in his life with strong evidence of his salvation. Peter was all in. He didn't have partial commitment. He was there. Peter believed worship in the Lord was of great value. And Peter made Jesus Lord of his life. And yes, he, he stumbled, 
just like many of us do and like I do. And yes, there were times that he had to back up and and reboot and go forward. But that's the process of each of our walk and our growth in Jesus Christ. And that was evident in Peter's life. And Peter didn't just kiss the door. He entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, can you identify with Judas or can you identify with Peter? It's a somber question that I ask. Would you bow your heads in prayer? So our head bows, our eyes close. You say, there are things that were said that were true about me. That was like Peter. And here's the beautiful part about the amazing grace of, of God that was there in Judas's life that he had the grace of God that was there. And Jesus reached out to him, and I believe that Judas could have been saved, just like any one of those uh, apostles or anyone could be. The same grace that is extended to the apostles extended to you as well and to me. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. It's what Christ has done. It's not about what you can do. It's what God can do for you. Salvation is when God reaches down and, and takes hold of you and you say, Yes. It's not about you trying to reach up and grab a hold of God. God does all the work. It's about what God does, not what we do. This morning, right now, perhaps God has spoken to you. And it concerns me. And that there may be someone in here, not that you're openly betraying Jesus, but, but you're like Judas. There's no spiritual growth. There's, there's, worship isn't a big part of, of your life or important to you. There's just a partial commitment. My friend, when God saves us, he, he gives us, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Something changes. We're going one way, and next we're going the other way. My friend, God is reaching out to you. I want to ask you, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Just say a simple prayer in your heart. If God is speaking to you right now, say these words. Don't have to say them out loud. This is just between you and the Lord. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know 
I need Jesus. I know that you love me and you died on the cross for me to pay the penalty for my sins. Now, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart, into my life, and save me. In Jesus' name, amen.